Welcome to Millennial 730. I'm Andrew. And I'm Pamela. It's just me and Pam for the start of the show. But later in today's episode, we will be joined by one of our listeners, Ashley. She works in advertising, and we're going to hear how we all get targeted online and what we can do to protect our privacy. So that'll be interesting because we touch on that from time to time. But now we have somebody who lives and breathes internet advertising. So we'll talk about that. And she's also going to share how she uses ASMR as a way to manage anxiety, which I thought would be I'm really excited about that because like anything to help with the anxiety, but also ASMR is something that I've heard about, but I don't know much about. Yeah. So should be fun. And it sounds cheaper than therapy or my CBD oil. Oh my God, <laughs> you just right? need YouTube, I think. <laughs> I think. We'll see. But, uh, you know, honestly, uh, so Laura's not here. She's doing something this week, but I'm f- I hate to pile on to Laura two weeks in a row, but I am feeling a little salty because uh, I was at Podcast Movement last week, this podcasting conference. And all the muggle casters were going to try to go to podcast movement so we can get together, plan the show, learn about podcasting, etc. And I said, so Micah, Eric, Laura, you want to go? And all three of them said, I don't want to go because it's happening during the week and I don't want to take off work. I totally understood that. I was like, okay, cool. Maybe another year. Then what happens, Pam, a few weeks later? Laura's like, oh, I'll be away this specific week, so I won't be able to make these recordings. And it's the same days that podcast movement is happening. Why? She went to visit a friend during the week. She flew. She took a trip. She took off work. I'm like, Laura, what the hell? I thought you didn't want to go to podcast movement because you didn't take off work. She took off work anyway to see somebody else. Well, podcast movement would have been work. But work with me. Work with me. Just Cracking the whip too hard for Laura. Uh, Yeah, she She didn't want to deal with me. She didn't want to deal with me. Yeah. Well, I see where her priorities lie. It's okay. It's fine. I just want to say thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon and uses our advertisers or simply listens because I was able to learn a lot at Podcast Movement thanks to listener support. We use the money to reinvest in the show, to grow the show, to learn more about the podcasting industry. So It just, you know, going to podcast conferences always makes me reappreciate our listeners because I know it's so hard to grow an audience. That's really the thing that people talk about most at these podcasting conferences. How can you grow your show? Because there's so many podcasts out there. It's like, how do you stand out? It's something we struggle with, too. Well, speaking of Patreon, Pam, we've got a good After Dark today, right? Yeah. So, you know, the Olympics wrapped up this past week and uh, we thought that we could award one more gold gold medal to uh, a Karen in our local community. So we're bringing back the Karen Olympics. Each of us have picked out a local story from, you know, our perspective, our respective next doors, our Facebook community pages and we're going to read them to each other and figure out who's got the worst neighbors in after dark i haven't told this story yet on the show pat called somebody a karen in one of our facebook groups and i got really mad at him because it was a next door neighbor i was like don't don't start a war with one of our neighbors (gasps) please we just too close to you exactly (laughs) i was so mad we'll talk about that on patreon oh gosh (laughs) Something I wanted to talk about now, though, was happy hours, because I was reading the news last night and I heard that 
Massachusetts actually banned happy hours in the 1980s, but that ban may actually be undone soon. I didn't know that some states had actually banned happy hours. It turns out there's about eight states in the country that ban happy hours. And by happy hours, I mean specific hours where drinks are offered at a discount or for free. Did you know this, that happy hours didn't exist in some states? No, but I feel like in hindsight... It makes sense because there's so many weird alcohol rules that I don't know about. Like, um, for example, a lot of states, you actually have to go to a liquor store to buy liquor. Like, you can't just buy that at the grocery store like you can in California. And then, you know, there are some counties that are just like dry counties completely. So I'm surprised, but I don't know why. (laughs) Because I just... Of course, you know, there would be some some other strange alcohol rule that I just didn't know about. So New Jersey in New Jersey, at least when I originally lived here, when I was growing up here, alcohol was not for sale in food stores. And when I moved to California, I was like, this is amazing. I can go to a food store. I can go to Target and I can buy beer and liquor. What a dream. Yeah. When I was in New York City, there's a Whole Foods um, like around Union Square. I think it might be in Union Square. And that was really close to where I was working. So I would just like walk over, do the grocery shopping and then um, hop on the subway and go home. Um, and then one day I was almost done and I forgot the wine. I went to like look for the wine. I realized it was like a completely different <laughs> yeah. store that was just like attached next door. Yes. And I was like, I'm not waiting for this because I just had to wait in this big ass line to buy food. I don't want to wait in another line to go get wine. Yeah. So I've seen that here in New Jersey too. It's like separate, but the same. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. So anyway, um, like I said, eight states in the country have bans on happy hours. Illinois and Kansas had them too. They have repealed their bans in the last decade. Advocates of the Massachusetts ban repeal assert that ride-hailing apps have now made it less tempting for intoxicated people to drive. They also point to a nationwide drop in deaths related to drunken driving. In 1985, about 18,000 people died in alcohol-impaired crashes, according to federal data. In 2019, that number was about 10,000. I think about this all the time. The number of lives Uber and Lyft have probably saved since they came into existence, what, 10 years ago? A remarkable number of people. Have, have probably been saved. I think about a friend, I, I hate to even share this because I'm so ashamed of him. He would drunk drive a lot in uh, before Uber. Now, of course, that's all he does. He doesn't even drive anymore. So I think of people like him who, who have been saved by these ride-hailing apps. But I have to say, I'm not as, I don't get as, as excited about happy hours as I used to. Like, I don't plan my evenings around happy hours anymore. Maybe because it's uh, maybe it's because I'm working a little more or I move like in California. I guess it was a bigger deal because bars can be so expensive. Like, oh, I'm paying ten dollars now during this happy hour instead of 15 for a drink. Lucky me. But like in Illinois, in Chicago, drinks were cheaper. I don't know. Do you get excited for happy hours? As much as you used to? No, I I think that I just assume I'm never going to be able to make them because yes. even out in L.A., the traffic is so crap, you know, so the odds of you actually making it within that window. And then a lot of places have rules. So like even if you're going to a restaurant, it's like happy hour only at the bar. Yeah. And you got to get there early to get bar seating. So I mostly get excited if like 
I just happen to be at the bar and it happens to be happy hour. It's like, ooh, like an extra treat that I was not (laughs) expecting. But I'm definitely just, um, I've considered, I I just have chalked it up to a loss at this point because I just assume I'm not going to be able to get there in time or there's no way we're going to be able to sit in the happy hour section. Yeah. You're so right about the hours because let's say you get done work at four or five. Of course, happy hours tend to only be during weekdays. So let's say you get done around four or five. That means you have to rush off to the bar to to get in on the happy hour or you're going to miss out because normally they end around six or seven. And I don't want to rush out right after work to go to a bar. It's That's not worth it to me. And like you say, these places are crowded during happy hours. Late night happy hour, though, that's where it's at. Like when you show up to a place and it's just a surprise, you know, 9 p.m. to <laughs> to 11 p.m. happy hour. Do late night at- happy hours ever start at nine o'clock? I-, I feel like they're later than that. So I don't I feel like I can't think of a name, but I, I know that this has happened to me. And I know it's not because I was bar hopping before and I was so drunk <laughs> that I thought it was happy hour that late at night. It actually wasn't. Uh, I see. Yeah, I've seen some late night happy hours like 11 p.m. starting at 11 p.m. But I'm already mm-hmm. in bed. I'm in the happy hour. That is my bed being comfortable and falling asleep. It sounds like a great happy hour, honestly. I mean, I would like to be home by 11, too. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what? Rosalie is bringing up a good point in the Discord, which is food. And a lot of times, happy hour have food deals, and those are always really nice. I agree with that for sure. So how much of the Olympics did you watch? Not as much as I thought I was going to. Um, It's just the hours, you know? You kind of have to hit it at the right time, and there's no real replays or anything like that. So I tuned into a little bit, like... I just happened to be up, and so I watched some gymnastics. But, like, if you wanted to watch that when it was airing, it was at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning Eastern, you know? Oh, yeah, forget it. It's crazy. I was sticking with the main NBC channel because they would focus on the bigger competitions, and they would highlight the big events. So when I did watch, it was on NBC itself. Did you see they had Steve Kornacki, the MSNBC guy, you know? Yes. Steve Kornacki is the guy at MSNBC during the elections. He's jumping in and out of those virtual maps for anybody who doesn't know. He's like the numbers guy at MSNBC. He's very geeky. uh, So people are just very taken with all his nerdiness. But speaking of like things I never knew before, did you know there's an Olympic sport called race walking, which is basically power walking, but a little faster? Did you know about this? I did know about this because I feel like that's one of those sports kind of like what's the what's the one that everybody gets excited about because they forget about it every year where they're like sweeping oh, on the floor. Oh. People in the discord will tell us. Do yeah. You know what I'm talking uh, about? Curling. Yeah. It's like one of those weird looking sports where like you catch it on TV once and then you go, I did not realize that this was a sport. Yeah. I think the last time I the Olympics were on, I saw this like power walking basically but it's not called that yeah it's called race walking mm-hmm. and this is the sport in which you must keep one foot on the ground at all times at least uh from a human eyes perspective like if you if there's debate around it because if you look at photos you see both feet up in the air at the same time but it has you have to have one foot at the ground on the ground at all times to the human eye um anyway 
I didn't know this was a thing. If you watch it, it is kind of silly to look at because it does look like they were power walking. The 20 kilometer version allows men and women, but the 50 kilometer race only allows men. So the latter will actually be on a break following the 2020 Olympics until the Olympics introduce a mixed gender race. So there's been some drama. That's exciting. Yeah. There's some really cool. Have you like been reading up on some of the other sports that they're going to be adding and um Uh oh no what are they adding i i heard that they're adding like rock climbing and Mm. some other stuff like that so i just think it's really neat that they well like and even this year too they brought back baseball which is kind of crazy to think that like baseball wasn't being utilized before like skateboarding um although i i was like a little a little bit disenchanted by the some of the skateboarding runs that i saw yeah and uh three on three basketball And one of the interesting parts of that is it's only a half court and they're both teams are using the same net, I believe. I thought that was it was just weird to watch. It just made me uncomfortable. So I didn't watch it. Rock climbing, though, that's interesting. Like indoor rock climbing or real rocks? Yeah, I'm sure it's indoor. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Rock climbing is something I actually want to get into indoor i I feel like that's a good way to meet people really yeah there's definitely a huge community they have a a big like rock climbing gym out here in san francisco Mm -hmm. and it's a lot harder than it looks yeah um because you need a lot of upper body strength which i do not have but Mm -hmm. it was fun to try yeah okay maybe i need to get into that this has been andrew (laughs) trying to socialize again usa did win the most amount of medals they also won the most amount of gold China came in second, followed by the Russian Olympic Committee, uh, and then Britain, Japan, Australia. So yeah, that was the Olympics. Also, I just thought we could offer some quick updates on recent news that we have discussed. The eviction moratorium has been extended through October 3rd for places with high rates of transmission in the U.S., which is um like everywhere at this point, though the new extension may not hold up in court. So we'll see what will happen there. Even Biden admitted that. Um, also, the pandemic relief for paying back student loans has been extended through January 31st, 2022, but the Biden administration has warned that this will be the final extension. And then finally, I don't think we actually have spoken about this, but it was big news that broke on Tuesday. New York Governor Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, has announced he's resigning following a report from the state detailing sexual harassment. Um, This has been building for a long time. A lot of people thought Cuomo wasn't going to step down. I just read a report, I think, last night that he was going to try and ride this out. But he did ultimately decide to step down. So that's a big day for New York because he's been in power for a very, very long time. One other thing I wanted to mention, millennial listener Natalie, who makes custom Funko Pop vinyls, created a discount code for millennial listeners. The three of us uh, hired Natalie to create custom Funkos of us. They turned out amazing. We highly recommended them. Use code millennial and get 10% off your order. You just go to Etsy.com slash shop slash Natalie. We will have the link in the show notes. So again, check out Knickknack Natalie and use code millennial for 10% off your order. This is an awesome gift for a friend or family member, especially if they love Funkos because they were really well done. Okay. And before we bring in Ashley, let's now hear from Laura to talk about today's sponsor. Hey, y'all, Laura here. Andrew and Pam may have thought they were rid of me this week, but now it's my turn to surprise bitch them by telling you about one of my favorite sponsors, Third Love. 
I'm traveling right now, and it's been a long time since I've been able to get on a plane and get back to visiting the places I love. And I know from using them for the last couple of years that Third Love has my back through all of my travels with their high-quality underwear, sleep, and loungewear. And since their bras come in cup sizes AA through I and their sleepwear ranges from extra small to 3X, you can get ready to feel good about your perfect fit. Third Love obsesses over each stitch so you never have to think about how something feels, looks, or wears. While trends come and go, Third Love has always stayed true to one notion. We do comfort, you do you. And what better way to let you do you than with their new seamless collection, Form. These are wireless bras and form-fitting undies with limitless stretch and endless comfort that disappears under your clothes. Third Love knows you deserve to feel comfortable and confident 24-7, so right now they are offering our listeners 20% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash millennial for 20% off today. All right. Thank you, Laura. We are now joined by our listener, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Where do you live? I live in a small suburb outside of, uh, well, I guess it's not so small. It's like 30,000 people, but it's about an hour outside of St. Louis. Okay. Oh, okay. So you're in Missouri. Yes. Missouri, technically. Cool. All right. Don't call it Missouri. Don't call it that. Okay. I've never heard it called that Is that a regional thing? We've had some politicians who love to call it Missouri. And uh, okay. Yeah. A lot of the people in the more rural parts of the state call it Missouri. It's kind of like Washington. Okay. Missouri. I uh, got it. I had a teacher from Kansas City um, at San Francisco State, and I vaguely remember him talking about the difference, but I couldn't remember exactly what the rule was. So that's good to know. Pam, don't you and other San Francisco or Bay Area people hate when people say San Fran? We hate San Fran and we hate Frisco. And that's like a surefire way to clock out of towners or transplants. (laughs) So if you want to fit in, you just call it like the city. You could get away with SF or San Francisco. Okay. And it all kind of has to be slurred together. Like there shouldn't be a pause between the the words. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. That, now yeah, that's pushing yeah. it. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Say just it this like, quick. that's that's like a like a pronunciation thing. It's I really interesting. It. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Ashley, tell us about what you do. So I am a web designer and digital marketer. So I work for a small agency actually based in Washington State. I'm a full-time telecommuter. And so we're a six person agency. So we all wear a lot of hats, but I'm the senior web designer. And I also head up a couple of different parts of our advertising. Okay. Do you like working from home? Even before the pandemic, you were working from home. Yeah. I've worked from home since 2016, early 2016. And even before I had this job and I really dig it. It's uh, I love the flexible working style. I love being able to go do my laundry in between breaks and not have to pack my lunch. I get to just go to the kitchen and make something. It's really convenient. Yeah. And just walk to the office instead of driving. Yeah. You know, wear pants if you want to. Don't if you don't, you know. Are you wearing pants right now? I am. Yes. Thank you for asking. We actually don't here at Millennial, but but just for future reference, you don't have (laughs) to. Next time. Next time. (laughs) I actually do. I need I need to feel I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't work like half naked, but I'm the same way. Anyway. I have to get dressed. I put on my makeup every day. I do my hair every day. It's oh, like, you do? I do. It's 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 a regimen. It's amazing how much that helps, though. I think it 
it helps me a lot. Like if I'm feeling sluggish, Mm -hmm. I'll do the same thing. And then there's always the threat of the spontaneous client meeting that makes you do it too. So, you know, even if I'm wearing like, you know, a crappy t-shirt or something, I can go upstairs and change it real quick, but at least the hair and the, the face are generally on. Yeah. Okay. So we thought since you do work in advertising, we could shed some light on how advertisers target us and how to potentially avoid their targeting and just how this all works. So let's start with kind of a broader question. How does a company, let's say, you know, like a, a Blue Apron, for example, how, how does the company discover us or an ad initially discover us? Yeah, yeah, it depends. It, it depends on um, what targeting they're using and, and if they're going kind of the the traditional kind of sales funnel approach, or if they're going, um, you know, if they have some information about you, for instance, you have been on. um, So there's the, uh, I'll just start from the beginning. If there's like the generic approach of, you know, millennials are probably likely to to invest in a blue apron because maybe boomers aren't as into it. They may have some market research that they know generally what demographics they're looking for. So they could just target people on Facebook, on Google, on whatever, um, what, you know, depending on basic demographic characteristics, their age, their location, uh, Facebook has like parental status, things like that. Um, you know, I get ads all the time, like, you know, are you too busy to cook for your family? Because I'm a mom, they know I'm a mom. Right. And so Mm -hmm. there's that whole thing. Um, you know, they also could tell, have you been, um, using a different meal kit service? You know, have you been Googling them? Have you been reading about them online? Because we can target you based on what you're researching about online too. So um, the other thing is, is what, like if it's a social media, what your friends like, what you like, any account information that you've provided to third parties, you know, they can match up email addresses and things like that to piece together some really detailed information about what you might like and what products you might be interested in. And that's one thing I wanted to address today, because sometimes it feels like we cannot understand how they were able to target us, how they were able to understand that we might be interested in something if, say, we hadn't searched for it before. And there's all these rumors that persistently f- fly around, Are is Instagram listening to us? So when I say Heinz ketchup, you know, suddenly I start seeing Heinz ketchup ads in my Instagram feed. You know, we had some fun with that, I think, a few months ago. But it sounds like like what you're saying, it also depends on what your friends are up to, too. The quick answer is that they don't need to listen to you because you're giving them all the information that they need anyway. Um, (laughs) That's the big takeaway. (laughs) So, you know, every time that you have an app on your phone, you you know, you get really excited, install a new app and it asks you permissions. Do you want to give it access to your location services? That's a big one. Like I use it for geofencing. I can tell, I can, if I'm advertising, if my client is a local coffee shop and you walk into a Starbucks, I can serve you an ad with a coupon. Mm. Oh, damn. You know, if you are around people who have been to Starbucks, you know, because device IDs, all these little phones that we carry in our pockets have device IDs and any other uh, internet connected device is going to have device IDs that people and these data miners are going to use to, to connect to your email address, your address things like that. And that's how they serve you advertisements. So so does it even like make a difference if you opt, like, for example, Apple made a big deal about introducing an update that would, you know, display a pop-up that would allow you to click the ask app not to track button right away. Um, So does that even make a difference if you 
say, opt to ask the app not to track when like, say, like your partner has not opted into that or your friend has not opted into that? Yeah, I mean, I think that helps, right? So that you're talking about the iOS 14 update that um, a lot of advertisers in my sphere were really trembling in their boots about, but really hasn't made a ton of difference um, for how we target. It, it makes things a little less precise, but like I said, I have enough. I mean, I don't personally have that information, but you know, the cloud of data that hangs over all of our heads has enough information about our behaviors. So you know, they may not have one piece of the information, but they've got 75 other pieces of information that they can utilize to, to do the same thing. I mean, I could opt out all I want of certain things, but I'm still getting ads that my, you know, my my husband was looking at buying a grill. And so I was getting ads because he was looking into grills and our Amazon accounts are connected. Oh, okay. Oh, Even though it. like it has nothing to do with device IDs. It's just like, we're on a family account for, for Amazon. Right. And so he was looking, he was researching grills. Therefore... I get the advertising right. as well. And I can say, hey, what about that uh, that one brand? That looks nice. And I can use my sway. And one of the big things to know about this new ask app not to track you setting is that it's you're telling the app to not track you across other apps. If you turn this setting off for Facebook, it doesn't change how Facebook is tracking you within Facebook. They still know all of your information, everything you do on Facebook, and it still will advertise to you based on what you're doing within Facebook. It just can't take what's happening, let's say, in Instagram. Well, maybe it can in Instagram. That might be a bad example since Facebook owns Instagram. But it can't take what you do in a game and use that data to advertise to you in Facebook. Do I have that right, Ashley? I think so. I mean, it's still kind of murky and and I'll be honest, I'm not super into that part of it. I mean, like I said, we're basically able to still do what we need to do for our mostly local business customers. So um, mm-hmm. it hasn't really affected us, but um, I think that's largely right. I mean, Facebook's going to do, you opted into their privacy policy when you created mm-hmm. your Facebook account. Therefore, anything else does not apply. Right. Right. Uh, within right. that app. So that's the thing, you know, when you opt into these privacy policies, this is what you're opting into. And a lot of it, a lot of them all have sections about um, sharing data with third parties. And so, and all the other thing is every time you log into, like, for instance, I use Goodreads to, to like work books and stuff. And I use my Facebook account to log into Goodreads. So those apps, I've given them permission to communicate. And it's, it's very common for people to like, um, log into services with Google. It's such an easy thing because we're all already logged into Google. So it's a very easy, I don't want right. to go through a five-step process to create a new account. I want to just share my Google information. Well, guess what you're doing? You are sharing that data and, you know, including things about like what you're emailing. They use, Google uses that. Yeah. It's so, uncomfortable to think about. <laughs> I try to is, put it away. No one's listening to you if that makes you feel any better. Yeah, it does. I love that line that that you said a few minutes ago. They don't need to listen to you because they have enough data on you anyway. <laughs> it's, it's freaky and to the point. I love it. Here's another big question. Why does it seem like an ad will follow us around the internet? You see one ad on Facebook, on Google, you know, everywhere. Why does that happen? Because they are following you around the internet. Um, basically, they are, you're probably in some sort of either remarketing list, um, which means that if you've gone to a site, they can continue to, you, you know, you've triggered whatever um, cookie or whatever sort of data um, capturing piece, and they continue to advertise to you until you get a new IP address or refresh your cache or whatever. Usually those lists last about 30 days. 
you can trigger a refresh on the device ID by resetting, like turning it off your phone and turning it back on. So would recommend doing that fairly regularly if you're concerned about this. Basically, they need to hit you eight to 10 times before you even realize that, you know, that, you know, we know that it takes about eight hits for a brand awareness campaign for you to recognize, oh yeah, that's Wayfair and they're continuing to to give me ads. Interesting. So Interesting. when I first moved into this house, I needed a whole bunch of furniture and I had gone into my local furniture store, whatever. Well, I started getting Wayfair ads like crazy everywhere I went, I would get Wayfair ads. It's because they had geofenced my local furniture stores. And so I was on the list. And because occasionally I did click on the damn ad, I, I kept getting retargeted because they're like, oh yeah, you like that lamp? You want it? Are you sure you don't want yeah. this? You know, so, and they'll follow you because they, you know, again, all that stuff is connected. All your online profiles are connected. So yes, I saw it on my Google, you know, on the, you know, in my ads for on the Google display network. I also saw them on my Facebook feed or in the games that I play, things like that. So they do follow you around is the short answer. I hate that when you click, you click an ad once and then they do not let go of you. For, yep. It feels like it's longer than a month. It's like, and luckily to Facebook's credit, you can click in the top right and say, I don't want to see this ad anymore. And I do that sometimes because they really are running that ad a lot. And I get sick of looking at the same damn thing over and over again. Yeah. And a lot of display ads, you have like ad choices. You'll, you'll see a very faint piece of text that's slightly overlaying the image and you can't click on it. Um, and it'll kind of give you some information about how you were targeted for that. That's a good tip. That is, yeah. And Facebook lets you do that too. Why Why are you showing me this ad? And you, you look at that sometimes and it's like, because you're gay, because you like <laughs> Joe Biden, because you like podcasts. Like it gives you all this info. It's like, oh, I didn't know you knew all that about me. Okay. So let's say we don't want to be tracked. Are there ways to block this type of tracking from occurring on our devices? Yeah. I mean, kind of what I was talking about earlier, you know, when you download a new app, no matter how excited you are to start using it, you know, really take note of what they're asking you to give access to. If you don't have that um, universal setting in your, in your device, um, you know, you don't have to give all you know, your target app does not need to have your location services. It can use them and it can add features in some case, but they don't have, it doesn't, you know, affect the critical inner workings of the app. So you can choose what to allow when you have like an app on your device. Um, you know, you can turn off or limit location services on your phone. That's a big, big thing because it's where you're going um, and who you're around again with the device ID and who you're hanging out with. So um you know, it does, I mean, you're not going to get your most accurate weather forecast if you do that. So you might do that on an app by app basis. Um, there are, you know, ad blockers and there are privacy, privacy browsers like DuckDuckGo that claim to not capture any information or store cookies or anything like that. So, or you could use it to your advantage like I do. So I will, if I'm researching something, like I was looking for I go back to furniture. It makes me sound like a really boring suburban person, but I was looking for furniture recently and uh, for my kid. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go to like three sites and look at very specific pieces. And then I'm going to let the internet find me my purchase. Wow. Because I, I know that I'll get ads. So I might as well like save my time, save, save myself some research. That's smart. I also like, make sure to like only the brands that I really want to hear from. Like I am big on cruelty-free cosmetics and, and, body products. And so I will go on and like my favorite brands so that I 
they know to advertise to me their specials, mm-hmm. their coupons, whatever. And other like brands will also advertise to me. So I'll learn about new things. I actually see that happening on Instagram quite a bit. Like even if I follow, say, a beauty brand, I'll still get their sponsored posts, which I kind of think is a little bit silly. But now that you've framed it in a different way, I totally get why they do that. Well, and the other thing is, is with social media in particular, a lot of people, a lot of brands are finding that the organic route is not getting seen as often. So they can post 10 times a week on their, on their main post free, you know, feed and people aren't seeing it as much because Google wants, or sorry, Facebook wants you to pay to play. So it's a real like shooting fish in a barrel to advertise to people who, you know, already like you. Mm. So, and they'll, and they'll make sure that you get seen more often, which means they're more likely to share because I'm going to share something with, you know, the people that I know and like, and who might also share those values or want that product. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you've mentioned geofencing a couple times. I just want to be clear for the listeners. So geofencing means if your phone is watching where you are, we all know that through certain apps, when you enter a geofence, basically a certain area on a map, if you want to visualize it, then it knows to target you because you are in that area. Maybe you're close to a Dunkin' Donuts, or maybe it knows you're in a target, so another department store, a Walmart is going to try and target you. Is that what you're talking about when you're saying entering geofences? Yeah, I mean, geofencing is a lot of different things. That is one example. I mean, although basically when you walk into that Dunkin' Donuts, your device ID is being put into an audience list that then allows you to be targeted for the next 30 days. Can you believe this shit, listeners? This is so bullshit. Let (laughs) me get my coffee and not be tracked, damn it. (laughs) Turn off location services. Turn off your phone for the brief minute that you're in in Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) Um, but geofencing also includes, I mean, this is where shit gets really real, right? So I can have a, for instance, if I have a real estate client, a real estate agent who is looking for home buyers, I can geofence the homes of people who have certain amount of equity in their current home, who are current homeowners, who have certain family compositions. Like I have an elder parent that lives at home. I am recent empty nester, um, people who have certain, who are exist in certain credit tiers. I can advertise to those people. The world of like the display programmatic advertising is slightly less regulated than, you know, like Google, if I advertise, I can't advertise to only the top 10% of uh, uh, income earners that that violates their equal, equal housing policies. Programmatic advertising doesn't allow me to do that. I can do some crazy, crazy shit on programmatic advertising. Wow. Like I've had a personal injury uh, attorney client who was like, Hey, can we geofence um, emergency rooms? And I'm like, that's unethical. And no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> oh, damn. So, um, Holy it gets, shit. It gets kind I of just nuts. can't believe that they were so bold as to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We target we people when they're, when they're suffering. Jeez. Right. We, as, a, as, a, as an agency, we were like, we politely decline uh, that tactic. Thank you very much. Yeah. Have a nice day. Um, but, but what I'm saying is my point is, is geofencing is not only like where you physically go, but also if I have enough information about the type of home that you live in, I can geofence your whole house. So it's not mm-hmm. necessarily a mobile thing. It is just, and, and keep in mind that that includes cross device, cross device advertising. So you go home, but that home also, you know, you're logged into your Gmail account on your phone. Then you log into that same Gmail account after coming home from Dunkin' Donuts to write them a review and on your laptop, it's right. connected. So I can then see ads on, show you ads on that computer any, any connected device like that. 
Uh, I'm hating technology right now. Okay. (laughs) Change careers. (laughs) No, I, I think it's, it's very interesting and it's all very important for us to be aware of, which is why I was excited to talk to you about this today. Um, It is interesting. We don't need to get into this, but it is interesting how there's so much data available to advertisers these days. And it's like, do they really need all this data? They didn't use any of this data back 20, 30 50 years ago, businesses were able to operate just fine. Do y'all really need all this data? Mm. Like we saw Mad Men. We know that they <laughs> they were very successful. Right. You advertise in newspapers. You know, I guess you would get some demographic mm. info there. Maybe it was more awareness driven, simply driving awareness around your products instead of targeting to specific types of people. That's the thing that um, a lot of people don't realize. So you have a billboard, you have your newspaper ad, you would kind of as a business, not be able to necessarily track the effectiveness of that ad, unless, you know, someone comes up to you into your store and says, Hey, I saw your, your ad for 10% off of hammers or whatever you're, you know, you're selling. So, um, the way that online advertising works is highly trackable. I can track again, some crazy things. Like I can track how, if you, if there's a video on my landing page on your landing page, I can track and see how much, how, what percent of that video did you watch? How, how far right. down the screen did you scroll? What buttons did you click? What right. path did you right. take through the website? Did you fill out a form? Did you not? Did you click on the button? To, you know, I can do a call tracking. I mean, right. there's a lot of and this tracking is, abilities. This is why podcasts have promo codes and URLs. When we yeah. say, you know, go to thirdlove.com slash millennial, right. that helps advertisers like yourself, marketing agencies track conversions because otherwise advertisers aren't able to track. Now there are, ad agencies trying to do a better job of tracking podcasts and podcasters are resistant to at least some are resistant to some of the tracking that's trying to be put together for podcasts. Um, But yeah, that's why you hear promo codes and URLs on, on podcasts. I mean, if you think about it the old way billboards and stuff, it just has their generic phone number. Sometimes they'd have like a tracking phone number. What who's driving down the road with a pen and paper? No, you're going to see the name of the, the, the business, Google them later. Right. And then it's yeah. going to say, oh, they, they got you from a Google search. Um, but when it's really the the billboard is responsible for your lead. Yeah. It's probably why jingles were so big back in the day, right? Brain because awareness. If you oh, put like, yeah. yeah, like a phone number in the jingle, the jingle would get stuck in your head. And definitely and now we can you track and see if, 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 a, if a, a, a more passive form of advertising, does it, are we seeing an increase in branded searches? We look at that on in Google analytics. We, we, is am I seeing an increase in branded searches month over month that can be attributed to the ad, even if it even if they are just seeing the ad, not clicking on it? We, that's something we track. It's funny you mention that because my my brother works in advertising. He works at a um, he just got a job at a bigger company, and their thing is is kind of like a viral advertising almost. Like they've done a lot of those bigger ads, and I'm sure that that also probably helps aggregate so much more information because if you create a commercial or an ad campaign that has people like routinely going to YouTube, for example, to keep watching those ads, then that probably gives them a lot of information on like the core customership as well. Yeah. Well, I think we can probably move on from this part of the discussion. So thank you, Ashley, for sharing all of that. Let's also talk about how you use ASMR to manage anxiety. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I heard of ASMR a long, long time ago, and it always sounded kind of ASMR comes up in the context of, oh, people, these 
quote unquote weirdos listening to people slurping noodles and stuff. And, and, right, and, yeah. and that's um, not exactly how I found it. I, I don't actually remember how I found it. I just, you know, remember looking for ways to kind of relax, do the meditation thing that didn't involve breathing exercises. So I've been in therapy off and on for years and they, I mean, a lot of times they'll like, Oh, do some meditation and do these breathing exercises. Well, for people like me, whose anxiety manifests in breathlessness and then the inability to catch a full breath, breathing exercises kind of give me a panic attack. <laughs> so, mm. um, you know, going online, looking for, for, um, some sort of like meditation that doesn't involve that. I must've come across an ASMR video at some point and, you know, there's different types of ASMR, right? There's, there are the mouth sounds type, which are fine for some, some people get a lot out of that. Um, in some cases, the same sorts of things that I get out of it. There's whispers, there's crink, you know, people crinkling on candy wrappers, there's tapping and, and scratching on microphones. These um, lots of crazy microphone setups. Basically, if you've ever had someone kind of like whisper in your ear, some people don't get the actual ASMR response, right? So if you ever have someone like whisper in your ear and you kind of get a tingle down your, down your spine, yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of the ASMR response, right? And so listening to these very, you know, sound engineered things, videos at a high level of volume with earphones in, with headphones on can give you that sort of, those sorts of feelings. And I find it extremely meditative, even if you don't wow. have the ASMR response. I think, I think it's, it's a, a nice meditative thing. Um, there's also ones with uh, positive affirmations. So, you know, if you need to be talked down from something, they can, they can be there for you for that. Interesting. And where do you get all these from? YouTube. They're all free. Okay. It is YouTube. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of a lot of, I have a whole list here that I was going to recommend of places you could start. Oh, please do. Yeah. My favorite is ASMR magic because she does a bunch of different things. She does whisper videos. She does tapping. She does did a whole one with ice triggers, right? They're, they're called triggers. So she did a bunch of the ice tapping and scratching and things like that. Wow. There's some people that do talking ASMR and some that do no talking. ASMR Bakery does exclusively no talking. Um, there are role plays. So if you are like me and really love like getting your hair done or your makeup done, that can actually be ex- intensely relaxing. Um, and so there are people who will do like role plays of, hey, I'm cutting your hair. I'm washing your hair. I'm giving you some personal attention. And and that, you know, sounds a little sad and lonely, but it actually is quite, quite therapeutic. Well, and I'm also thinking just during the pandemic, this was helpful for people who were fighting loneliness. Absolutely. I could definitely see that. See, I assumed when you were going to talk to us about this, it was going to be mainly like musical scores or because I've seen ASMR videos of like at Hogwarts in the Gryffindor common room, stuff like that. I wasn't expecting very specific like moments it depends like again there are people some people are really into that stuff i that's not my style i don't i don't care for that i'm more into like like if i'm working and i just need some ambient white noise not even like trying to like calm myself down or anything i just listen to someone like there's an entire genre of them where it's just you need to study buddy it's a, it's pen scratching on a on paper sounds and people typing and clicking and things like that so wow. it's just kind of ambient noises. There's something for everybody. I think you can get into the kind of real intense, like role play stuff. And that's fine for some people. I'm sure. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people and I don't, I do use it. I mean, I have a prescription for Xanax that I can use kind of as I need, but I don't like the way it makes me feel. 
And this kind of helps me helps calm me down when I'm having my moments. What's your number one ASMR video? That's really hard. The only one that comes to mind is actually not, it's not a whisper, but ASMR magic has a fireside. She like washes your face, pretends to wash your face. Head and scalp massage. Yeah, and she does a give you a scalp massage oil? too. She does a really, she has a really realistic scalp massage. If I ever have a headache, she has a no talking scalp massage one that actually feels like she is like scratching her nails onto your scalp. It, it's it's amazing. Oh my gosh. I don't <laughs> know if this is gonna be loud enough, but I'm gonna start playing it. I feel like I sound like such a weirdo. No. Hi. Oh, listen to her. So I was thinking that. It might be nice to have a little pampering session oh my God. by the This fire. is like hot. And as you can <laughs> some see, people use it for that, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I figured. <laughs> I've had a lot of people use it for that. I'm very cozy in here. I'm like turning so straight as I, I listen to this. That would be the perfect setting to give you a little. Okay, I'm gonna skip ahead off. a little bit. Oh, yeah, she's, like, looking straight into the camera, kind of touching the lens. She's wiping your face. She's pretending to wipe down your face. She's wiping my face. But, yeah, I mean, some people do use it for erotic things. I mean, try to find a male voice ASMR channel that is not, like, fall asleep on my chest, honey. Uh, And it's it's all, (laughs) I find, a little creepy. Um, There are a couple of male ASMR channels that I like, because I do like the deep, male or male voice um certified mood is a new one and he does um like a lot of like hairstyling role plays and stuff can you email me after the show a little list and we'll yeah. include that in the show notes if you don't yeah, mind i've got i've got you know five or six here so awesome yeah so we'll post those in the show notes as well for anybody who wants to try these themselves yeah well so, thank you ashley yeah if, if anybody wants to get started with it just Go to YouTube and make sure you have a good pair of headphones. What do you use? Just regular Apple ones, or I just I have I have Air AirPods that I use like for okay. sleeping. They're not the most comfortable when you're laying on your side. They do have a thing called sleep phones that are supposed to be pretty good. A couple of the ASMRs do promotional. They they now have advertisers on them, so they're like paid promotion, and so they'll advertise on ASMR channels for sleep phones, which are apparently very good. I don't know. I've not tried them. I got to say, I use AirPods when I'm when I'm going to sleep sometimes. I've gotten used to just the feeling of them when I'm mm-hmm. on my side. And it's gotten to the point where I wake up the next morning and the AirPods just lost somewhere in the bed because I fell asleep with it on. You'll see a lot of comments from uh, people in the ASMR community, which is also like the most positive YouTube community you can you can find. Like there's rarely a bad comment or negative negativity there, which is also is very pleasant. But the number one style comment is I can't wait to be waking up strangled in my cord in the morning oh god (laughs) hopefully safely (laughs) yeah okay cool well thanks for sharing all that ashley we really appreciate it and thanks for your support on patreon um we are approaching an hour so i think we'll we'll still hit these but we can do them pretty quickly uh just turning to some pop culture stories pam you saw suicide squad i have not yet was it good? Tell us about it. Um, yeah, I think that my very, very bare bones spoiler free review would be that it's uh, it's really fun and stylized. So like if you like James Gunn's um, directorial style, which you can see a lot of in like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, then you'll definitely like this. Um, for me, I just felt like it was a little bit too long and the pacing kind of dragged. And I feel like they could have cut it a little bit and made it um, a bit shorter. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I just haven't had time to watch it yet. I want to, though, especially for that talking shark. That's really all I want to tune in for. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to say, at the beginning of this year, or late last year, was it? WB announced that they were putting all their new movies in 2021 on HBO Max at the same time it hit theaters, right? We spoke about this. At the time, it sounded a little crazy because they because we were like, well, by the end of 2021, we'll be back to normal. So why commit to the full year? Well, now with the Delta variant, people are getting scared to, to go out again and go into theaters. So it's ended up being a really, really good move by Warner Brothers. Delta's not going away anytime soon. We'll see if vaccinations help more, if more if if the Delta variant, because of the rising cases, causes more people to actually get vaccinated. But yeah, good move by Warner Brothers, gotta say. And I thought since Laura wasn't here this week, Ashley, do you watch Jeopardy? I always watch it when it's on, but I've never okay. made a point to watch it separately. Oh, oh, so you don't like plan your night around it like Pam and I, I do? I don't know. I, I have a few other okay. things going on in my life that, that do not allow me to make Jeopardy must-see TV. Okay, interesting. Yeah, well, it's must-see TV for us. I have to say, I don't like this current contestant who's been doing really well. Matt, his name is. He's just very bland. But I wanted to bring up Jeopardy because their new permanent host will likely be the show's longtime producer, Mike Richards. He guest hosted Jeopardy very early on. He actually did a good job, but it was surprising to hear he's going to have the permanent role because nobody knows him. We assumed they were bringing all these celebrities onto Jeopardy because they were going to try and pick a celebrity to take over for Alex Trebek. Also, Jeopardy appointing Mike, Mike Richards has drawn comparisons to Dick Cheney, who, who led George W. Bush's search for a vice presidential running mate, only to end up choosing himself in the end. Mike Richards, producer of Jeopardy, seems to be picking himself for the role of permanent host. Now, people at Sony are involved as well, but it's it's like, mm, I don't know. This, something... this is so anticlimactic. Yeah. What do you think, Pam? Not a good choice or... I mean, yeah, I think that I agree with you. He did all right. Um, I guess it's nice to see somebody that like clearly is involved with the show um, or has some knowledge about it be be picked. But I don't know. I just it, it was just so, so dumb because I think we were all expecting um, anybody else other than somebody that's basically just been working in the back office. I mean, LeVar so Burton was a shoe in. Right. But like there's Ken Jennings. Everybody thought that maybe he would do it. I knew that Anderson Cooper would never because he's got too much going on. But like that would have been nice. That's um, the thing about Katie these celebrities. Kirk did a great job. Yeah. You know, there's like so many people. Maya Balak did a great job as well. Maya Balak. Yeah. And she's super smart. Like you just want yeah. somebody who's smart that like know that looks and sounds like they could know the answer to the question they're asking. Right. And she was fun and she added a lot mm -hmm. of context to a lot of the answers more than the hosts normally do. But I thought that was right. good because she brought her own twist to hosting. I thought the morning show host, you mentioned Katie Couric, but George Stephanopoulos also did really well. Uh, Robin yeah, Roberts yeah. did too. I feel like the, the morning show people are especially good at hosting because they have experience switching from fun to dark topics pretty quick on a morning yes. news show and Jeopardy kind of mm -hmm. switched gears very fast there as well. I have to say LeVar Burton, yes, I know there was a lot of passion around getting him the role. He was super nervous his first couple episodes. There were some big mistakes in this episode. Oh, really? Do you guys notice that? Yeah. yeah. I didn't see oh. it. No, I just oh, okay. I just have a fondness for him. Makes yeah. sense. He just he wanted it so badly. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And it just and came there was through. a lot writing on it too because everybody wanted it for him as well. Yeah, so. he wanted to live up to the expectations people right. had set for him, so it was an unfair advantage. But he did find his footing towards the end, and he was very energetic. Correct, he would go with some of the answers. <laughs> Maybe a little too much, but imagine though you could have like grown up with Lavar Burton on reading Rainbow, and then like as right. we get into our, uh, you know, forties and fifties about him. The thing about appointing a celebrity to this role is that it's really a, you know, a life sentence to the gig. You have to stay Jeopardy host for the rest of your life. It's like being nominated to the Supreme Court. You look at Jeopardy. You look at Wheel of Fortune. Alex, Pat Sajak. Vanna White have been in those roles forever. They can't leave. So if you're taking on that role, you cannot leave. Bob Barker, another good example, too. What a gig, though. I mean, like, I bet you they get paid so much money. I bet you Vanna White is making bank. Yeah. And I, from my understanding, they tape like five episodes in a day. So you really only have to work a couple days a week. I'm sure there's I'm more sure to it. I'm sure they do. But, yeah. I mean, like, because it, it's, I don't, I don't think it's op- nothing usually you know, none of the game shows are, are live to tape, but it's only a half hour program. So it doesn't take very long to to film those even with the breaks and stuff. Right. All right. It is time for some recommendations now. So I actually want to recommend something that Laura recommended a few months ago, maybe a year ago now. The Chirp Wheel. These are for your back. You roll on them. Uh, funnily enough, Laura recommended it on the show. And then the next week, they were on Shark Tank. I was like, did you know they were going to be on Shark Tank? That was really weird timing. And I love Shark Tank. So I think I had ordered before Shark Tank or maybe as it aired. But you roll on these. They're really great for for your back. I brought one on my cross-country road trip because I was going to be sitting in the car for so long. I thought I might need it. Luckily, I didn't. But I've let my family try these now. They all love it. They all instantly felt cracks. They all instantly felt really good after using these. So uh, you can get the three pack for $99, I think, on the Chirp Wheels website. But it kind of simulates because I was going to a chiropractor a little bit in 2020. And it simulates the bed that you'll lay on and that kind of tube that will roll up and down your back. That's basically what you're getting from this, but you're doing it on your floor. So highly recommend them. I've had days where my back just hurts and I roll on this thing for a few minutes and my back pain is seriously gone just like that. So do check out the chirp wheels. They're really good. I wanted to recommend Farm Girl Flowers if you're looking to send flowers or purchase some floral arrangements. Um, the packaging is really lovely and they're taking a sustainable approach. It's just really nice because all of their flowers are 100% sourced from the U.S. And I believe if they can, they they try and um, uh, do like uh, like pick like local physical locations near you. They come wrapped in burlap coffee sacks, which is great because you can recycle that as well. The flowers are super fresh. They're, you know, basically employing local farmers and stuff like that because all of their stuff is grown within the U.S., which is really nice. And uh, everything stays super fresh. We got a bouquet of these sent to us and it lasted for a little over a week, which is really impressive. Very cool. Yeah, check them out if you're looking to send arrangements or buy something for yourself. I wanted to recommend the Pila phone cases. I have one on my phone. It they are uh, speaking of sustainability. They are completely biodegradable, plastic free cases. Yeah, they will um, in the right environment, like a backyard compost. They will biodegrade in about two years, so they will not be on the planet forever. And actually, if I think if if uh, you send them your phone, your old phone case that's made of plastic, they will 
um, do their best to recycle it or dispose of it responsibly. So um, wow. I was kind of worried about this because it's a fairly thin case that, um, you know, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a phone dropper. Um, <laughs> and so I, uh, I, I've had, I've had this case for almost a year now and haven't had any cracks to my phone at all. They also make a screen protector, but it's liquid. You actually have to pour a liquid on your screen. And I have not been brave enough to do that. So I just have a normal uh, yeah, uh, glass screen protector, but they do make a biodegradable screen protector as well. I'm looking at these case designs. They've got They're some cool. really nice designs. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. This will be my next phone case purchase for sure. Yeah. Thanks again, Ashley, for coming on. And we're going to have you on in After Dark today. We all got, we've all got some Karen stories to share, including Pat really making me angry. Uh, so we'll talk about that at patreon.com slash millennial today. Your support grows to maintaining the show, growing the show. We're going to invest. Actually, speaking of advertising. We're going to start tracking you. No, we're going to start advertising to other podcast listeners. And I'm really excited about it. We've we've never marketed the show before. And we've found some really good ways to do that. So we're going to be pursuing those. Your financial support on Patreon uh, helps us make that happen. It helps us grow the show. And it helps us make the show a priority in our own lives. So thank you, everybody, very much. We really, really appreciate your support, including yours, Ashley couple other reminders. Don't forget to make sure you are following the show for free on your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. And also, if they have a review system, we would appreciate if you left a review in there. If you want to contact us, you can write directly to millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And finally, you can follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Pamela. And I'm Ashley. Bye, everyone. 